Welcome to the One Thought Away Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Pound, a mindset coach and manifestation expert, here to help you live more mindfully and soulfully while learning to connect to the magic of the universe. Each episode will provide you with insights into self-mastery to get the most out of life. I am so grateful you are here and thank you for listening. Hello, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am so happy that you are here. And today's mantra is silence the noise. And so just taking a second and really allowing yourself to be with the silence. And so often we find silence to be uncomfortable. And so just checking in with yourself and seeing if that is the case or if silence is something that you welcome. And This is a concept I really explore with today's guest, Gary LeBlanc. And Gary is the author of Find Your Superhuman. He is the CEO and founder of Akuma, as well as the founder and CEO of Zero DB. And he has a really unique way of approaching health and wellness. Specifically, he likes to have a very systemized way of doing things, which has really given him a lot of success in his life. And I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. I really learned a lot from Gary. And without further ado, here is today's episode. So today I'm here with Gary LeBlanc, and Gary, you do a lot of things, but right now you're kind of on this path to quiet the noise. Can you Hmm. talk to me a little bit about what that means? You know, my background's engineering, right? So there's a very scientific explanation for what noise is. But if I was going to just break it down in something more palatable, you could just look at noise as you know, anything you're doing, any signal, anything that draws you away from that or makes you less effective at living your best life, that's noise, right? It could be mental noise, it could be spiritual noise, emotional noise, um, and physical noise is the obvious one, right? When we talk about our health, when we talk about our environment, be our physical environment. So for me, quiet the noise is about helping people, one, identify those sources of noise, just to simply be aware of what noise is, because most of us aren't aware, you know, and why would we be right? It's what we've always known. So I want them to become aware. And then I want to give them options, I want to give them tools to be able to say, Okay, well, this is what I want to tackle. So you know, I get into the, the planning of it. And then really, how do you overcome these things, which are typically mental, and it, it takes time. So that's really important. It's important to me as again, as an engineer, looking at it through an engineer's perspective, um, it just makes a lot of sense to me. You know, we got to remove the obstacles to be happy and healthy and have love in our life. 
instead of trying to fucking hack every oh can i swear <laughs> instead <laughs> of trying to hack everything anyway i'll try to limit the f-bombs okay <laughs> perfect yeah. so what what are some of these tools that you provide to people mm -hmm. so basically like one example would be um i have what i call a zero decibel life plan right so it's taking people through this seven-step process of initially just doing this assessment of kind of what's serving you and what isn't serving you and you got to remember it's taking people from not being aware of things to being aware and acting on it, right? So we got to start at the most basic level because we're always trying to nudge people to take action. That's not easy. Like these are, these are tough questions for people. So once you get people kind of in the rhythm and say, okay, this doesn't feel good. This feels good. Like that's a good start, right? And typically we know it doesn't feel good, right? So you start there and then I get a little more technical, right? I say, okay, these are 12 life priorities, right? It could be, um, call it your health, call it your finance, your family, your partner, your friends. There's all these priorities. And then I say, okay, take what you came up with and just start to categorize them, right? What serves you, what doesn't serve you. And maybe if you have some inspiration, you know what you want to change, right? And then you take that. And again, I go into the whole numbers thing because I'm a numbers guy. And then I do a gap analysis. So then I rank each one of those areas. And I got <laughs> this idea from a great friend of mine who's very deliberate in what he does. And then you start to assess these things. And then you start to say, okay, ranked. What are the most important things in my life, right? Health should be the most important thing. It's kind of like the airplane that's going down, you know, put on your oxygen first, right? So if you're not healthy, nothing in your life exists, right? So healthy and then then for me it's family right and then it's friends and you know careers down the line but purpose is there right so all these things contribute and then i have a career alignment and then i do goal setting and then it gets a little uh methodical less uh spiritual but um but yeah so i do stuff like that and i write and you know whatever i can do to provide value i guess yeah absolutely so when it does come to health, what are the kind of key things you do to ensure you are in an optimal state? So for me, I've been at this for quite a while. Vanity was a very strong driver when I was a kid. I grew up, um, I grew up with a bad stutter. Um, I had my ears pinned back when I was 18. <clears throat> and for a kid in Cape Breton and I don't know, just going through kid stuff, stuttering and big ears. That's a tough one. <laughs> Trust me, it's a tough one. So you grow up with this chip on your shoulder and then, you know, whatever, you know, you get to be in your teens and in your 20s and vanity was a big thing, right? I, I was trying to not be the, you know, the shortest uh, stick or is it the longest stick, whatever. Um, and then it just became something where vanity turned into you know, this feels good. And I started really paying attention to my health. And what it gets down to is you get into a mode where you just, I personally need routine, right? And early, that routine was motivated by my vanity. And it really was isolated to the physical realm, really, I didn't pay attention to mental, emotional, spiritual. And then, you know, things happen in your life, right? And really the biggest inflection point, I was a vice president for Bacardi for six years in my 30s. 
And in the middle of that, a friend of mine got diagnosed with lymphoma. And to be honest, like that was a catalyst for continuing what I started. And so everything I do is around that motivation and building routines in my day. So getting up, you know, doing the lemon water like everybody does, but starting off quiet and quieting the mind, um, do some meditation. And then I do my gratitude. I don't know if I'm giving too much detail, but when I do my meditation, you slow the brain down, right? And I talk to a hypnotist and it's kind of like when you slow the brain down, you kind of open the door to the subconscious, right? You get into an alpha and a delta potentially if you're really zoned in. And then I think our brains are very impressionable. So the morning's super important. You slow it down, you get some gratitude in there, maybe do a, do a method meditation, you know, some loving kindness to set, you know, the proper intention. And then in my life plan, I know this isn't sexy, but in my life plan, I have a perfect life exercise. So I have a 15 page story about my life seven years from now. You talk about manifesting. And then I shrunk that into a half a page summary. So I'll read that after the gratitude. So open the mind, get it in the right frame of mind, read that half page story. And then I do my physical stuff, you know, my superhuman smoothie and, you know, that stuff you don't need to hear about, you know, uh, healthy stuff. It's not hard to be healthy. Eat mostly plants, <laughs> try to eat organic, <laughs> eat less. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a good chunk sticky. of the routine. <laughs> That sounds like a pretty great routine. And I know you had mentioned the power of intention mm -hmm. and how that kind of shapes a lot of your decisions. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, intention, intention's everything. And until we get to that point in our life, that point of inflection, where we just go from existing to manifesting, right? You talked about manifesting. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's when it's used skillfully. And when it's used authentically, I think manifesting is a very powerful thing. And I think early in our life, what happens is we just experience, right? We just experience things and we grow, but we don't really notice because there's all this noise in our life, right? You know, we're trying to, you know, kids pick on us, you know, around six or seven, shit goes sideways. Now we're just not having fun. Kids are talking about us. They're teasing us. And all of a sudden, all this noise starts, this ego, right? And but stuff's happening. You're experiencing stuff and you're growing, right? But then at some point in your life, you start to be more aware of what that noise is. And that's when it changes, right? That's when it goes from just experiencing life to being intentional about life. So that's the key. You finally see the noise for the first time. And then what happens? Well, again, this is all how I see the world. <laughs> um, then what <laughs> happens is, now that you're aware of the noise and you're intentional, well, now let's do something about it, right? So now I create these nudges and now I'm controlling my experience. And I have two goals, to reduce the noise in my life and to increase my rate of growth, right? And growth for me means just becoming a more evolved human as I define that. And it's the gap between the noise and how much you've grown, that resilience, that is your power, right? So reduce the noise. And that's all based on how intentional you are. Those nudges day in, day out. What are you doing to manifest that, right? And that's what I mean by it can't just be empty. You know, we got to get out of the clouds once in a while and do stuff, you know? Um, so I think it's powerful when it's used skillfully, you know, however you define skill. 
the the Buddhists will define it a certain way. Yeah. I like the way they talk about it. <laughs> no, that that's a really they yeah. have a beautiful yeah. way of expressing it. And you obviously are someone who's very methodical. And so taking inspired action mm -hmm. is something that you obviously have a lot of experience with. Why do you think that so many people, they have all of these ideas, but they don't actually mm -hmm. move forward with taking the action to change yeah. their lives? Well, I see everything as a chemical reaction, right? So you have your initial energy state, You'll have your end energy state, right? And your motivation has to get you from here to here, right? So if you can't get from here to here, you're just not motivated enough to make the change, right? And sometimes we need a catalyst. Chemical reactions need a catalyst because it takes more energy to get over the hump to get to where you need to be than to maintain that, right? So we often need this catalyst. And, you know, an example for me, it's going to sound stupid. But I've lived in this condo for 15 years. And, you know, it's a two bedroom, two bath. I love my condo. But I had to get my mind off work somehow. So I totally renovated my place, painted all this. And I got grass and this composite board on my patio. So I have a 100 square foot patio and I put grass on it. I'm telling you, it's changed my life. <laughs> okay, literally. <laughs> I've used that patio more in the past month than I did in 15 years. So what's the point, Gary? Why the hell are you talking about your patio? Well, the point is it took me 15 years to put grass on my goddamn patio. So why did I? Because I had a catalyst. And what was the catalyst? COVID-19. You know, not being able to leave my place and needing some sort of place to be able to absorb the sun and to spend some time outside. That was the catalyst. That's why I made the change. But it took that for me to make the change. I was doing that for 15 years, just cement, you know, I had a table out there. So in the end, we just got to look inward and say, well, I'm not, I'm not motivated enough, right? Like, like it or not, I don't care. I don't care what your motivation is. But if you don't do something, it's either you don't have the tools or you're not motivated enough to do it. And some people don't have the potential to do things. I'm not taking people, um, I'm not taking people's lives uh, arbitrarily. Maybe it's super hard, you're right? And the energy to get here to here is super hard. And it takes a hell of a lot of motivation. You know, I'm not judging. Um, but in the end, it's, it's similar to a chemical reaction. I think. I have, to, I have to qualify everything with I think. Because I'm definitely not trying to be a prophet or pontificate here. It's just, it's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I think you make a, a good point. Because... There's that really big challenge for a lot of people to go from good to great because good mm -hmm. feels really comfortable and it's like hanging out in that level. Well, there's technically yeah. nothing wrong. And do they really want to put X amount of effort in mm -hmm. to get to greatness? But what I personally find with a lot of people that I see that I work with is they're kind of when you're at the mm -hmm. breakdown stage it's so much easier to have that massive breakthrough because you're just at that point where mm -hmm. it's like enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. Yeah. I will do whatever motivation. it takes. So, so often people have to, mm -hmm. yeah, they have to hit that rock bottom 
and then yeah. they can bounce up versus if it's like that kind yeah. of place of contentment, they don't want to Well, there's post-traumatic growth and there's post-traumatic stress. Most people know post-traumatic stress, but there's post-traumatic growth. You know, we can grow and we all grow when things that happen in our lives, you know, when things happen that aren't great, right? That are crises, we grow. Now, sometimes we can't get out of that hole, right? But a lot of people flourish, you know? And in those cases, when you do hit rock bottom, you know, the people who flourish, they're experiencing post-traumatic growth, right? And it's a big motivation. Um, Jane McGonigal in Superbetter writes about that, and she does a really great job. But she looks at things like a video game, right? And a video game is a great metaphor for life. Sometimes there's a nasty bogey, right? That we have to kill in the fifth level, right? And when we kill them, we get all these experience points. Like I started playing Dungeons and Dragons again with my friends uh, from university. And it's a great metaphor for life, you know? And if you, if you can, like if you can get your mind straight enough to look at it that way, it's very cathartic. You know, this is just another bogey. Trust me, I had some fucking hard days in the past couple of weeks, you know, just heavy. And I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a fucking superhero, you know, in this game. Um, but on the backside of that, I was better. You know, it, it doesn't mean it's not hard, but it takes a lot bigger an event for me to get there. Right. So, you know, that's, um, that's just something we have to benefit from. And it's hard to see it that way. I get that. You know, I'm in a good situation. Like my situation's nothing. But yeah, this time is um, teaching a lot of us really about resilience because so much of our everyday lives have been mm -hmm. interrupted and just the yeah. normal things that we would always take for granted, like physically being with people. And most of the time we do get energy from being with people. And especially if you're extroverted, yeah. this can be yeah. a really challenging time. So what are some of the mm -hmm. tools that you have used to kind of shift mm -hmm. out of that low point or that low energy or mindset to get to a place where I can think. Yeah. No, that's a good that question. Um, mm -hmm. I created a, an emergency kit. <laughs> so it, it's called the superhuman <laughs> emergency crisis kit. I think that's what I call it. And I have this infographic and I list the six things, <laughs> right? Because when you're a 10 on 10 in crisis, Now's not the time to walk into it. You know, you've got to get through it, right? So everybody talks about walk into the crisis. Well, there's a time to do that. But when things are really, really hard and things are dark, facing that is a very difficult thing. So there's six things, and I might not remember all six, but there's six things that I do. And the first thing I do is I phone a friend. So... What do I need in those moments? I need perspective because my mind is not working in my favor. My mind is defaulting to tragedy, right? It's defaulting to survival, which is never a positive, positive programming that'll help you get through something, right? Your mind is your dark passenger at that point. So phone a friend, right? And then part of it is, okay, we talked about positive programming. A friend can be that perspective. Well, now your brain's not giving you positive programming, so you have to do it. You have to engineer that. 
So watching 15, 20 minutes of something motivational, and it makes a difference. Like, it's not fluff. Like, seeing other people get through things is very inspiring, right? It gives me faith that things are going to turn out as they should, mm -hmm. right? And obviously, there are some ways chemically you can change your body immediately. So sprinting. Sprinting will change the chemical profile in your body immediately. It'll be a sink for the cortisol and the adrenaline that's getting you stressed. It'll release endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, right? But you want to sprint. You want to go into a, you know, a, very, a very aggressive on-off. That's what's really going to spike those chemicals. And then meditation, like we talk about this, you know, a simple 10-minute, and it would be a meta meditation that I would do. Loving kindness, right? Because loving kindness, I find, connects us, right? You know, it's may I be happy, and, you know, then it's may, you know, some random person be happy, may someone I love be happy, and maybe may someone I don't see fondly be happy. Like, it's the ultimate way to connect and get you in a better headspace. And then the other one is you got to program times to breathe because when we're in crisis, everything's shallow, right? And we don't notice, but everything is shallow breathing, shallow breathing, and it proliferates all these negative responses in the body. So what you want to do is you want to get to a more eccentric focused breath, right? You want to slow that down and you want to breathe slowly out because that's what's going to really engage your parasympathetic system. And again, that's getting into more of the chemical. Right. So those are just those are a few things that I do. And, um, you know, I could share that, but it's a little infographic seems to work. <laughs> yeah, those are such really, really helpful tools. I know even personally yesterday I had kind of a low moment and just uh, mm -hmm. watching. Right. I went to YouTube. I put on some Wayne Dyer. And then afterwards, for some reason, mm -hmm. there was like the trailer for the pianist the 2002 movie with adrian brody and it was all about him surviving the holocaust and i just thought for a minute you know like look at all of these things people have gone through and the resilience that yeah, they have yeah 100 it's just like i'm just feeling a little bit lonely right now like these people went through massive massive it's a calibration tragedy. exactly and so that it's really helps me shift and be in perspective. it's a great one yeah sorry i cut you off there yeah, no, it, it's just, you know, really being able to change that energetic state. So it, it's reminding yourself that, okay, like, are things really that bad? No, I'm just uncomfortable. But it, again, it's like that comparison and being able to connect yeah. with other people to yeah. shift and you out. There's one thing that I didn't say so that important. is kind of self-serving, to be honest. Um, I, this week... I reached for zero dB uh, three times um, our drink uh, because of what's mm -hmm. in it. And again, this isn't a plug. Uh, I don't need to plug anything. Yeah. But that was my last resort. That was, um, you know, I, I have never grabbed anything to manage anxiety. Um, and that was one thing that I grabbed um, because, again, I needed a catalyst. So, you know, when people, again, I'm not saying all those things that I mentioned mm -hmm. will do the trick, um, but uh, it'll get us hopefully most of the way there, right? So 
talk to me a little bit about zero do you yeah. see and how exactly does it work yeah kind of help calm i'll take you through a really your state. quick story and it, it starts with the fact that we're chronically anxious right and we know that right you know eight out of ten people are sometimes or frequently stressed during the day that's a lot of people you know over 25 percent would diagnose themselves with chronic anxiety right that's a huge huge problem so we know that there's a problem there and it's fueled the cbd market right it's it's a huge conversation cbd so basically what we did is we wanted to attack it scientifically right you know again i often talk about i see things somewhat scientifically and i met these amazing partners and they've been studying how anxiety lives in the body for a long time and when we met they had been studying how cannabinoids interact with our neural pathways and the behaviors they have and the targets that they bind to and they've developed this library over time of how these things work and they're able to with a proprietary platform they're able to measure the activity in the body so now we're saying okay well instead of cannabis and cbd where you're taking one molecule and super concentrating it and throwing it in the body because they believe it has this effect well, we say, well, why not take advantage of plant diversity? So what we did was we stayed away from cannabis. And we said, all these other plants have cannabinoids that have these beautiful interactions in the body. And we found uh, you know, a super extract, a combination of plants that had a beautiful activity profile. And based on all our research, you know, we believe that that activity profile in this pathway would have a very beneficial effect on people. And that's what zero DB was based on. We created an organic functional drink line that's powered by the super extract. And we have a, a calming skew and we have a plus energy skew. But again, when we talk about noise, it's about eliminating anything that makes you less effective. You know, there's noise when you want to be calm, there's noise when you want to be active, right? So we just take the noise away. So you can still keep the mood you're in. We're just going to help quiet the noise. And that's uh, that's how we developed it. And, you know, I like to think it tastes fantastic and it's low calorie. And, you know, I love my team and it's just, um, it's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> it's been a passion because you've known me for a while. It's been work. It's been work. It sounds really amazing and just has a lot of really positive things to help people because like you said, sometimes mm. we have all those tools, but physically having yeah. something can yeah. really create a yeah. catalyst for that change. Almost sometimes like the placebo effect, but sure. Well, placebo, giving people you know, I think most research will say between 50 to 60% um, effectiveness in a placebo versus you know, a, a clinically, a clinically supported option, right? So if people drink it, I'm sure there is placebo in there, you know, you can't take that away. But we know from from what we've done that there's a, a physiological, you know, um, big aspect to it, right? So we don't want to misrepresent anything. But you know, we're one of the very few companies mm -hmm. who've actually done the science to really be confident about the beverage we put together. So yeah, I think it's it's kind of one of those things just to cap that. And sometimes you're really in a dark spot. You know, where about chronic anxiety? 
you know, that's where I would have this, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, people have pharmaceutical options for when things are really tough. Like there's no judgment there, but we're trying to address uh, something that a lot of people are dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. You're providing a really excellent solution. I think mm -hmm. that this will help a lot of people. So it's an interesting path you were on. So you were saying before, you know, engineer to VP of Bacardi, obviously, and alcohol, one of the most biggest alcohol brands in the world, to then now really being focused on health and wellness and helping people in this new way. Do you have any like synchronicities um, along your path that kind I of would, really helped you come to this point? I would define it more as. I was lucky to be exposed to certain things at the right time, right? You know, Stephen Colbert said, you got to love the bomb, right? You got to love the worst thing that's ever happened to you because it provided the most growth, right? So I'd say from a, a synchronistic perspective, right? From a, from a kind of EEPROM-based programming perspective, I was raised in Cape Breton. My mom and dad are extremely compassionate people. I come from an extremely, extremely loving place and a loving family. So if that is my, my kind of limbic, you know, foundation, um, that would be one thing that's consistent. And it's really been manifesting more now, right? So it's way more relevant now because I'm doing what is really in sync with my natural frequency right now. So of course, those parts of me are going to be overflexed. You know, of course, I'm going to see it more clearly, and maybe for the first time, you know, so that would be what would be the most, um, the most congruent thing throughout would be, you know, just compassion, how I treat people, I'd like to think I treat people really well, I like to think I lean to kindness. And that would be the only thing the the rest was, you know, like uh, lucky breadcrumbs, right? Um, and getting stuff out of my system. Like I needed a hedonistic aspect of my life because <laughs> I had a chip on my shoulder. I was fucking disgruntled about a lot of things, you know, and it drove me for a long time. Like I'm just getting over most of it now. I'm 48. Like I'm not saying I'm too old to get over these things, but I'm lucky I'm I'm addressing them now, but uh, that's a long time to be disgruntled about things, right? So, yeah, I think everything happens as it should. Well, I know you said before that you read daily like this seven-year plan. How long has that been a part of what you're doing? Because yeah. I'm sure that has, you know, on a subconscious level, we talk a little bit about how important subconscious programming is. Yeah. That that so either consciously the big or unconsciously here, can guide you to where you and are And it's what today. I mentioned earlier. That half page was distilled from 20 pages of writing, which was written over hours and hours and hours and hours of reflection. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of inertia in that half page. It's not me. So when you talk about the secret, and I think they had photos of Ferraris and stuff on that movie, that's not what this is. This is about, you know, really, it's the Ikea effect, putting the work into the document, like that's the value. And then to your point, 
the repetition, the positive programming, rewiring over and over and over again, it's just going to really illuminate those possibilities. And I think there's a lot of value there, but I would say it's like the iceberg. 90% of it is about the work you put into that half page. So, you know, I'm being expressive about this because nothing in life comes for free. You know, if you're not going to put work into it, it's not going to work. I don't care. You could read that you want a Ferrari till the cows come home. It, you know, it's not going to change anything. You're going to see more Ferraris. That's all it's going to change. <laughs> so I think you got to put work into things. Yeah, absolutely. But I think probably, you know, having that guiding principle in the back of your mind probably will help you to make certain decisions because you yeah. do have that sense of clarity versus somebody who maybe has yeah. not taken the time and isn't being guided. It, life might seem a little bit more random and might be a feeling more of things are happening yeah. to me versus based on all the way that, hmm. that you kind of systemize things and yeah, how you no, 100%. are so intentional. Like, and again, it's, life is expressing the behind everything here as a creator. It's non-judgmental. Like, if you would ask me how much of what I have is luck and how much is me, 100% is luck. <laughs> all of it is luck. Uh, you know, I won the lottery 50 times over with where I'm at, this country we're in, you know, the beauty we're in. We're so lucky. So none of this is coming from judgment. I'm lucky to have hopefully found a way of thought that's more kind and more of service. And, you know, maybe I'm not there yet. I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm there yet. I think I have a lot of work to do, but I'm lucky that I got here, I think. So it's not judgment. Like, if you're not doing this, this isn't judgment. Like I said, I was a blunt object for most of my life. So shit had to happen for me to think differently. Um, and I still have a long way to go. Trust me. Uh, you know, I'm still fairly blunt. Um, you know, I probably won't get halfway of where I want to go by the time, you know, I reach that <laughs> final hour. <laughs> it's all a process, right? Yeah. Everything always keeps expanding. And every time we think we yeah. get to the place we want to go, our mind just gives us new things, yeah. new goals to reach towards. And so it kind of is that never ending journey of life that we're always on. But to kind of your point, being in touch with yourself, coming from that place yeah. of love and kindness can really just allow you to savor life versus rush through it. And I think this time has allowed us, you know, so much inter reflection that maybe you know some of us weren't doing before and yeah. now it's allowing us to really say this 100%. is something i want to savor in my life we had a great doctor on yesterday who's with uh medicine uh, medecin sans, sans, sans frontier um doctors without borders and he was just a really dialed in cat and we were talking about this time right? And to your point, yeah, there's a lot of things we're doing now that are different. And his question was, well, what do you want to keep on doing? Right? Tomorrow's episode is about that. What do you want to keep on doing that you've started? You know, this connection, the catalyst to have us reach out, all these things we've changed. It's because that change was catalyzed by this, this pandemic, right? 
So there's a lot of beautiful things to your point. These changes can be beautiful. And the reflection of what do I want to keep on doing, I think is a really cool one. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just made us think about a lot of things in our life. Yeah, there's definitely, at least I can say from my perspective, a lot of really great deep learnings and also just kind of showing yeah. some illusions around, you know, oh, there was kind of this idea that being busy was a badge of honor and for a lot of people to take that away and to say, you know, really what what lights me up what how do i feel more connected do i have to be with a person no yeah. i can actually facetime them or text them and i don't have to have this whole kind of big hoopla to connect to somebody i literally can just yeah. send a voice note get on facetime and be with people versus i don't think in the past everyone would kind of take that avenue. It would be like, no, I can't do this, or I don't have the time. And, and that's another thing, time as yeah. really being such an you illusion. You know, I put the grass on the patio. And we, were, and we were talking about, you know, time and where we find value in things and cooking. Now I always cook, so. <laughs> but slowing things down, I'll put on an album and I'll just cook. But my friends just started really doing that more often. And it's just, slowing things down right and realizing that what are we rushing towards and all the time we're filling is with bullshit and validation and constant shots of dopamine that we need from likes and maybe slowing things down and just appreciating music and appreciating silence like we've evolved with silence so now we have a bit more silence what are we physiologically benefiting with that silence um benefiting from excuse me and just from a mental perspective, you know, the weight we're constantly carrying from being dialed in and connected all the time. And when you mentioned connection to people we love, you know, I'm going to get back to the grass on my patio. I would say that my mood on a scale of 100, the sun is about 80% of why my mood would change from an environmental perspective. Then maybe grass would be 10%, a tree would be 5%, you know what I mean? But the sun is the big thing, right? When that sun's out and I'm on the patio, boom, it can be fake grass, but I don't care. Feels like grass, I got my sun, right? So when you look at connection, maybe look at it the same way. Look, this sucks, like I'd rather be in person, but in absence, of being face to face, well, <laughs> how much on a hundred does this fulfill, right? Like maybe it's 60%. And I know it's not everything's numbers, but I see it that way. So maybe I don't get to see my niece and nephew more than twice a year, which sucks, but I see them every day. And you know what? I'm getting the audio, I'm getting a visual, you know, I can't touch them and hug them, and there's something there. But I'm interacting like my brain's lighting up from being with them. And I'd say that's probably 70 to 80%. So that's a good thing. And I know I take the sexy out of these things, but that's kind of how I think. So how can we bridge that gap? And this is a decent way to bridge the gap. I say it sucks, but you know what I mean. But it does bridge the gap. So I would wholeheartedly agree mm -hmm. <laughs> after that rant. 
Thank you for those reflections. And now I'm just going to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions, starting with what's your favorite thing that you have ever manifested? Full stop. Everything else was too based on vanity. <laughs> and I painted my condo. I'm pretty proud about that. And I have grass on my patio. If I haven't mentioned that, pretty happy about that. So I've manifested a good environment. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Environment is really important for how we just experience every single day. What is your favorite quote? There's a million quotes I love, but this is pretty apt. The movie End of the Wild. Um, I think his name was something McCandless was his name. I forget his first name, but he died in Alaska, right? End of the Wild. It's about this guy, college student, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he's in Alaska and he's alone. And when he's about to die, he writes in his journal, happiness is only real when it's shared. I think that's the exact quote. And how apt is that now? You know, everything you do, it's like, I can't wait till I tell my friend or my family or my wife. It's like happiness is only real when it's shared. So we have to start being able to share again. So that's my favorite quote mm -hmm. right now. And that's really beautiful and just a good reminder to us all that our lives really are meant to be shared. What book are you reading right now? Reading um, the autobiography, not autobiography, the biography of Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. That sounds really interesting. I will have to check that out. What are you most curious about right now? I think uh, you talk about a black swan moment. I have no fucking idea what next year is going to look like. So I'm kind of curious about that. Willing to let it happen, but still curious. Yes, I would have to agree that I'm also really curious what life is going to look like post this pandemic. And what are you most grateful for? My sisters and my brother and my nieces and nephews. They're just, uh, they're my rock when things go sideways, right? I always wanted to be the net for the family, you know, when I was in corporate and, you know, I was always there for my family, but they're extremely there for me. So yeah, just gratitude that I have a loving family. Having a family that truly loves and supports you really does create a grateful heart. And how can people find you, Gary? You can find me at Gary James LeBlanc on um, Instagram, I guess. And uh, Facebook, Gary LeBlanc, I guess. Or you could email me at gary at drinkzerodb.com. Uh, yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> like, you know, you can send me stuff if you have questions. And uh, yeah, always there to help. Well, thank you so much, Gary. I so appreciate your time and all of these amazing insights you have shared with us. Take care. So if you guys are listening to this before June the 1st, there is still time to enroll in my latest program, Soul Love, which is a five-week journey about intimacy, connection, and relationships, and really just allows you to get out of your own way from the things keeping you stuck from having the relationships you deserve. You'll learn all about how to align your heart set and your mindset, as well as upgrade your frequency and just connect to your core essence so that you can experience love at a whole new level. 
and transformation is really powerful in a group setting. You feel really supported and it gets you really incredible results. So if this is something that speaks to you, you can just connect with me on Instagram at Michelle Pound or send me an email through my website and we can get you signed up for this beautiful journey that starts on June the 2nd. Sending you so much love. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes. Come soak up extra inspiration on Instagram by following at Michelle Pound or visiting my website at michellepound.com. Remember, you're just one thought away and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode.